Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. I don't know how many of you have dealt with that lady before or that guy before, but uh, uh, it's relatable. So we're talking about the struggle of fear, worry, anxiety, and depression. What's interesting about this particular group of struggles is they're all kind of connected to some degree. They, they kind of run together as a pack. And I did a survey on Facebook when we were going to, you know, get this whole series lined out. And I, and I asked this question. I said, tell me the struggle that you hear the most about from the people that you hang with. And the number one struggle that was named in this Facebook little post I did was anxiety, fear, and depression. And I would even put worry in that category too. So it's interesting that in our culture, even though we have so much and we're so connected, but yet we're more anxious than ever and we're more depressed than ever. And so I believe it's a great struggle to begin with. And, and what's neat about this whole series is that we're diving into the Bible and we're learning that you're not alone in your struggle. I told you last week that everybody has a struggle in their life. And this may not be your top struggle, but chances are you're gonna be able to relate to it. Uh, and a lot of you are like, yes, that video is me. But as we go through the series, we're going to tackle a bunch of these different struggles. You just have to know that you're not alone. That even in the Bible, there are men and women of God that love God with all of their heart, but they had struggles. That they had to rely on God to help them through their struggle. And today we're looking at a man named Elijah. 
and we're going to go to the Old Testament to a book called 1 Kings, and we're going to be in chapter 19. We already prayed. If you have your Bible, you can turn it open to 1 Kings chapter 19. It's in the Old Testament. Here's a little hint. It's right next to 2 Kings, so if that helps you out at all. So it's 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, what's interesting about Elijah is he's celebrated as one of the most miraculous guys of the Old Testament. So we know a, a lot of the New Testament stories with miracles, with, with Jesus, of course, and then Peter and Paul. But in the Old Testament, there are only a few miracle workers. Moses was one, but the other one was Elijah. And the other one was his predecessor, who was Elisha. But Elijah was this man of God. I mean, he had this relationship with God where God just met him in powerful ways. One time he called fire out of heaven and it came and it just blew everybody away that were skeptics about this God that he served. Matter of fact, that is in the previous chapter. So he was one of these guys, and I don't know if you've met a, a man like this or a woman like this that's just so on fire for God that they're just always doing radical things in their relationship with Christ and, and just inspires you. You're like, wow, I just, I'm so impressed by their walk. Elijah was that guy. You get around him and he would just inspire you to live more with faith in your life. There wasn't anything he would not do. He just believed in God that strongly. However, in chapter 19, it's like he has this experience where he forgets his relationship with God. He, he just like has this uh, complete breakdown where he completely loses his faith. He loses this momentum that he had going on in chapter 18. And, and we read about it in uh, verses 1 through 3. Now Ahab told Jezebel... All that Elijah had done, he had called fire out of heaven, consumed the offering, and then had all of the false prophets killed. And he says, uh, and, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, which was the king's wife, sent a messenger to Elijah. This would be equivalent to texting him. So she texts Elijah and says, so may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as a life of the one, as one of them by tomorrow about this time. So she threatened him. She's like, I'm going to kill you just like you killed these other guys. And Elijah, full of faith, said, bring it on, sister. No. He says, Elijah was afraid and arose and ran for his life. And came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. So I, I don't know what happened to this man of God that was there in chapter 18. But one word from this woman, and he was leaving. He was getting out of Dodge quick. He was saying, I, I, am, I am not prepared for this. I don't know if you've had a moment in your life where... You had fear in your life, and then the fear somehow just built up and just went to another level and caused you to make some crazy decisions in your life because of the fear. Because here, here's the reality. All of us have fear in our lives. That's, that's something that God 
put inside of us to help us, not to hurt us. But see, there's the difference of having fear and having a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear, it says in the New Testament, it says God doesn't give us that spirit of fear. So there's a fear that's built inside of you that's there to get you out of dangerous situations. But then there's that moment where that fear goes into a spirit of fear. And have you ever been in that moment where you're just like, man, this is like, I'm not even thinking straight. I'm making some dumb decisions in my life. So this is where Elijah's at. His fear turned into worry, which turned into a decision. And worry does that. I, I was looking at a couple of different websites about the, the biggest worries that we have as Americans. It's interesting because you're not alone if you have some worries in your life. And I'm, I, I have a little illustration here for you this morning. And so I don't know if some of these worries kind of apply to you and things that, that you deal with, but, but I just find it so interesting. Like world events, we're worried about world events. You know what's interesting is that there's never been a time in history where we are told about something that happens on the other side of this planet within minutes of the event happening. We have an instant access to information. I'll never forget October 1st, 2017 for many reasons. Obviously, for, for me pastoring in Las Vegas, some of you will get to know my story, read the back of the, the program. But that day uh, changed that city and it changed our church and it changed many lives even in this valley that were at the concert. But what was so interesting about that day is that my wife and I were laying down. We were about ready to go to sleep, and my daughter runs in the room crying. And, and we're like, what's wrong? She goes, I, I just saw something on social media that there's been an event, uh, a shooting, it looks like, in, in Las Vegas. And I was like, what? I haven't heard about this. And I turned on Fox News, and I turned on CNN, and there's nothing about the shooting. Like, she had instant access to this shooting before it even made cable television. This is the world that we're living in. And so these things compound. So when you, when you keep hearing about shootings and earthquakes and hurricanes and, and uh, terrorism, and it's just plaguing you, I mean, you start wearing this. And here's, here's the thing about worries. They're heavy, just like this brick, all right? Don't worry, I'm not gonna throw it, all right? Um, <laughs> so... So, you know, they, they each, they're, they're weighty. Um, relationship problems, that's another one. You know, we're dealing with stuff all the time with moms and dads and maybe siblings or other, uh, you know, our, our kids that are not doing well or um, our, our great drunk uncle that just, we love him, but, you know, he just, you know, it's, he's a lot. He's a lot to deal with. Um, and all of that to say, we're worried about our, our relationships, and if they're struggling, then we go to bed, and it's heavy. It's heavy to be worried about, are, are we going to make it? Or, you know, is Thanksgiving going to be okay this year? Is it going to be awkward? Are, are we going to make it? Um, safety, and this kind of goes with the other one, is, is now, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't, I didn't think about going to a concert and, and worrying that something may happen to me, something may happen to my family. But now, it's a genuine concern. So everywhere you go, 
It's like when I see the metal detectors and I see security officers, I don't go like, oh, this must be a sketchy place. I'm going, you know what? I, I am thankful because I, I feel safer with these people around and, and uh, you know, checking things out. But that's a worry, and it's heavy. Uh, getting older, come on, somebody. <laughs> We're worried. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and like, what's happening to my face right now? Hair is gone from where it should be and growing in places it shouldn't be. What is up with that? The struggle is real. Turn to your neighbor and say, the struggle is real. All right? Finances, this is a weighty one. You know, everyone's like, oh, the Conejo Valley, just so, it just got so much, much money. And I don't know who talks like that, but I don't know. Um, but they're, they're like, yeah, it's a really wealthy community. You know, as I'm getting to know people here, man, people here are like everywhere else. They're living paycheck to paycheck. And, and I, I will tell these other people that are from other places other than the Canal Valley that it's expensive to live here. And so most of our money is going to the place that we're living, right? So even though there's money here, doesn't mean that everybody that lives here has money. Um, how many can relate to this? Children. Here's what I've discovered. As your kids get older, the, the worry doesn't go away. Like, like, it actually compounds because then they have driver's licenses, and then you're like, well, and now they have these apps where you can follow your kids online, and I don't think that's good uh, because as a parent, I love knowing where my kid is, but I'm like, what are they doing there? And then one time it froze, and, and Josiah's car was in the middle of a river. I'm like, this is not good. Like, what's, what happened to him? So I'm calling him, are you in a river? No, Dad. My app says you are. What is going on? But you know what the other part of that is? The infertility issue going on in, a, in America. And the jury's still out on why, but there's so many young couples that are struggling having kids. So that's a worry, too. If, you know, these young couples that I'm doing weddings for, and, you know, now they're into their their marriages, you know, three to five years, they're, they're trying to have kids, and I'm praying with them, going, I don't know if I can have kids, and, you know, we're going to doctors and all of that, and, and I say, this is a real issue going on with young couples, and a lot of it is just the fear of, like, maybe we can't have kids, but some couples, just for whatever reason, are having a problem having kids, so that, that's a worry, and that's weighty. Physical appearance, we've got already kind of touched there, but, but especially with the pressure of Instagram and, and everybody taking these selfies going, why don't I look like that? Well, you don't know that that person took 30 selfies and put a bunch of filters on it to look that good, all right? So don't base your appearance on somebody else's selfie on Instagram, all right? You look great, all right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you look great. You look great. But that's a worry, you know, am I looking good? You know, am I being judged? And health problems. And this is, you know, for those people that are just like, you know, going through a health issue right now and they're going to doctors. And I've talked to some of you, we got some prayer requests last week, brain tumors, and some serious stuff is going on with Atmosphere Church families. Uh, and, it's, and it's pretty weighty. The health problems can just be so worrisome, especially like in the video, you start Googling your symptoms. I've never talked to one person that Googled their symptoms and found out that they're okay. 
Everybody that Googles their symptoms is got a chronic disease that they're dying from in six months. That can create some worries. Finding a spouse, I should even say keeping a spouse. These are, these are things, uh, I'm, I've got a stat. Do you know 42% of our culture is single adults? But there's a, there's a worry, like, am I going to find a spouse? I'm talking to my daughters, and of course, I have a daughter that's 22 and a daughter is 20, and and you know, every 20-year-old that's single has always said the same thing to me. I just don't know if I'll ever find the right person. And, and I'm like, I guarantee you that, that there's more than likely in the next 10 years you're going to be married. Statistically, most people find marriage by the, the time they're 30. I should add the other one is keeping your marriage because um, that's another worry. Uh, I was talking to a guy I ran into at Costco, and he was telling me that he had a genuine worry two years ago before he went to our marriage retreat. He's like, I'm not, I'm not keeping my, my spouse. We're heading for divorce. He went to our marriage retreat. God d- gave him a breakthrough and he saw me at Costco and he's smiling going, man, we have the best marriage ever. But that, I mean, when your marriage isn't good, I mean, it's hard to focus on anything because it's so heavy. Like, are we going to make it? Job career is the other uh, top 10 rounding off the, the list. You can have a job, but then you're worried, am I going to be able to keep the job? They're doing cutbacks. Or if you own a business, it's like, are we going to make it this year? Are we, or am I going to have to sell the company? Am I going to have to close? And, and so all of these worries, here's, here's the issue. It's like our lies are like this backpack, and we have the ability to carry some of the weight. So you start piling this stuff up, and you're like, okay, I, you know, I'm getting older, and you got that. Okay, I've got finances. I can, I can carry that. That's, that's kind of makes me worried. Physical appearance, I got, you know, I'm, I'm taking, oh, gosh, I've been on, on uh, Fox News, CNN too much this week, and now I'm like, oh, this is heavy. Uh, and then, then let's put some relationship problems in there, and, and okay, you know, I'm tracking my kids too much, all right? So, so let's just say, I load up my backpack, and, and here's the reality. One of those bricks is, is one thing, but now I'm putting all of the bricks into the backpack. And, and, you know, I can walk around like this for a little while, but guess what? After a while, have you ever just had a pack on for a while, and you're just like, I, this is too much? And you, you're trying to find somebody that can help you with it, or you're just like, dude, I'm taking this off, man. Forget this. Well, it's hard to take worries off. Because worries are just kind of inside of you. So there's nobody that you can really hand it off to. Now, last week, as we talked about, you know, Jesus says, I want to be the one that you hand it off to. Your frame is not strong enough to handle all of this stuff, but my frame is. Matter of fact, Jesus handled the subject of worry head on in Matthew chapter 6. He says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. It's one of my favorite verses. Matthew 6, 34, for today has enough trouble of its own. And a lot of the worry is us forecasting what our tomorrow is like before tomorrow is even here. And, and here's what, what happens with anxiety is we turn a possibility into a probability. We turn a possibility to a probability. Let, let me give you this quote about worry. It says... Worry happens when we assume responsibility God never intended us to have. He never intended us to have all of this stuff. And see, what happens with a fear, when it elevates to a spirit of fear, and it has these worries attached to it, and you start carrying this stuff around, and it's so heavy for your soul, that's 
when the anxiety kicks in. And then, because you're so weighed down with all of these worries, that you get to a point where you start getting discouraged. You don't want to go places. You don't want to do things. Every chore, every, even the littlest bit of chores becomes too much for you. I like this. It was um, it's something I read about a soldier's response to worry. It says, one of two things is certain. Either you are mobilized or you're not mobilized. This is a soldier, all right? If you're not mobilized, there's no need to worry. If you are mobilized, one of two things is certain. Either you are behind the lines or you're at the front. If you're behind the lines, there's no need to worry. If you're at the front, one of two things is certain. Either you are resting in a safe place or you're exposed to danger. If you're resting in a safe place, there's no need to worry. If you're exposed to danger, one of two things is certain. Either you're wounded or you're not wounded. If you're not wounded, there's no need to worry. If you are wounded, one of two things is certain. Either you're wounded seriously or you're wounded slightly. If you're wounded slightly, there's no need to worry. If you're wounded seriously, one of two things is certain. Either you recover or you die. If you recover, there's no need to worry. And if you die, you can't worry. So we're all soldiers, but I don't know. We get into this, this mode, and it's, and it's almost like, have you ever had a, a piece of food get stuck inside of you, at, like in your mouth or your teeth, or even like maybe your esophagus, and you're like, uh-uh, and it's just stuck there. You know it's there, but there's just like, you're, you're just battling to get it out. And I think a lot of times with worry, it, it kind of gets into this place where it just feels like it's stuck, and that's when the anxiety kicks in. Because here's what happens to most people that struggle with anxiety, is you start getting anxious over the anxiety. You start getting anxious over this worry that is perpetual in your life. Now, I speak this not because I'm a psychologist, but because our family deals with it. Tara has been dealing with anxiety in her life personally as a struggle for probably the last, I don't know, 10 years. And she, she battles with it. She's not okay with it. And she, she faces it head on. But it's something that she struggles with. And at first, you know, when, when she first came to me 10 years ago, I'm like on the other side of the scale. I don't worry about anything. I'm just like, it'll, it'll just correct itself. No, you know, don't worry, be happy. You know, that's, I whistle that song a lot. But for her, it's a big battle. And so I would catch myself just saying, hey, it's okay. Just suck it up and get through it. And that's the last thing you tell somebody that is battling anxiety because they want to get through it. But it's just like that piece of food that just is stuck and they want to get it out. They want to clear their throat, their teeth, and they're just like, "I, I can't. So you just can't tell somebody, hey, just stop doing that. They're like, I want to, but I can't. But what was crazy for me is the trip before the last Africa trip, I, I got a book, and it's called The Anxiety Cure. I'm not, I'm, I'm not remembering who the author is, but you can Google it later, The Anxiety Cure. And it's written by a, a Christian pastor who's also a clinical psychologist, and he just, he did this like neurological view of 
anxiety, but then he broke it down into the scriptural view of anxiety. And he did a beautiful job of helping me connect the dots that when it comes to worry, fear, and anxiety, there's layers to it. And so a lot of times we just think it's a simple, basic emotion that you just kind of shrug off like anger. You just like quit being angry. But there's this layer, if I can jump over there, Jeremiah, there, there's, there's like a three, it's like a three-layer dip here. So you have this, uh, the physiological layer. The physiological layer, this is just sometimes the neurons in your brain are just not firing and connecting like they should. And, and so the physiological uh, layer is covered a lot of times by medications. And we have, a, I, I think, a, a record of people on anti-anxiety depressant medication like Prozac and Xanax and all of that. Now, I want you to know, I'm not, I'm not against, bless you, I'm not against medications. I'm not against it. Because what I've discovered personally is that sometimes the medications are necessary. And God may even use the medication to bring a breakthrough for your problem with anxiety. Because it could start off as an emotional thing, but then it turns into a biological thing. That's the, the kind of complicated nature of anxiety and depression. And they, they kind of go hand in hand. What I have discovered is that anxiety gone unchecked will eventually turn into depression. And you'll just get so discouraged because this thing just can't get out of your life that you'll just, you'll, you'll start giving up kind of. And, that, and that's when things get really, really dark really, really quick. So there is a, a physiological side of things where you pray on it. If God is saying, hey, you know, I've sent you to this doctor and the doctor gives you a prescription, you take it. I, I'm going to confess to you guys right now, and I'm not ashamed of it, but after the Vegas shooting, I was involved in so much of the trauma with Vegas and the, the church there, I wasn't sleeping at all. And Tara's like, are you all right? I had serious bags under my eyes, and I went to the doctor, and I go, I'm not sleeping. I'm, I'm just, I, I can't get this stuff out of my head. And, and he gave me a prescription of Xanax. And I was like, I don't know about this, but I prayed about it, I took it, and you know what? It helped me. I slept like a baby. I, uh, I should cover that because some babies don't sleep well. I slept really good, like a good baby, and it helped me. So I'm not one of these guys that I'm going to bash you if you take prescription medications because I think sometimes God uses those to help you. But it's not always the way that God wants to, to heal you. So you got to pray about everything. The second thing is the emotional side. And this is just where things, the, the worries kind of get stuck in there. You just need to be able to have somebody to talk it out with. This is super important for you to be able to do. Do you have somebody that you can talk to? Because here's the thing with anxiety is feeling like it's okay not to be okay. Like, you know what? It's okay that things are worrying you. And it's okay that you feel a little overwhelmed right now. But the key is, don't keep that in. Talk to somebody about it. Don't let it fester. Because when it's festering inside and you're not dealing with it, that's when things get dark very fast. So even if you're in that dark place and you've let it fester and it's really dark and maybe you're even depressed as we'll get in a minute with Elijah, then still talk about it. It's all right. We don't believe that you're completely perfect, all right? 
We know that there, there are flaws in you because there are flaws in us. And so don't parade around like you've got everything going on because we know even if you act like everything's good on the outside, there's probably some stuff that's keeping you up at night that you're struggling with when you're going to bed at night. So it's you being of integrity that means that you're the same person when you're with your friends that you are with by yourself at night when you're laying down and all those thoughts in your head are being given out loud to somebody else, somebody that you can trust. And, you know, sometimes it's a counselor. It's sometimes it's somebody that, you know, you pay money to and they help you and you go to, you know, I, my only thing about Christian or, or counseling is make sure they're a Christian because there's a lot of stuff out there that's non-Christian that is really weird spiritual stuff that is dangerous in my mind. So make sure they're a Christian. Uh, they don't have to be a Christian counselor, but make sure they're a counselor that's a Christian. Does that make sense? But you've got me. You've got some great leaders like Pastor Phil and Jonathan and Scotty and Craig and Matt. You've got these guys that, that have amazing wives too that, hey, open up at, at the end of service today. Talk to us. We'll pray for you, but let us in to that dark space so that you can have your breakthrough. One of the biggest ways to get rid of darkness is exposing it to light. But let's, let's keep reading here. Uh, let, let me talk to the last level, the spiritual level. And I, I would say on that spiritual level is sometimes you just need prayer just to get that thing unlodged. Some of the anxiety, some of the, the worry, some of it's demonic. Not all of it, but some of it's demonic. That there are spirits fueling these thoughts inside of you. There are spirits fueling this fear around you. And sometimes all it takes is a, a godly person to come up to you and say, let me lay hands and pray over you. And, and I, there was one time Tara was struggling really, really bad. It was, it was very bad. And she goes, I just can't think. I can't focus. And I said, okay, right now, this is demonic. I was just sensing that there's something spiritual going on. So I laid hands and I prayed over her. And she about fell over. And in a, in a matter of five minutes, she was completely different. She goes, I don't know what I was, like, where I was at, but your prayer completely turned the situation around. So sometimes it's just a spiritual layer and one prayer. You're one prayer away from that thing getting unstuck inside of you. So that's where we have prayer after service or even, you know, offline if you want to give a prayer this week uh, over the phone or whatever. But let's read, ver- let's go to verse four through nine because... I spent too much time on that, but we'll we'll jump through this other one really quick. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. This is Elijah. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It's enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. He, He was suicidal. So it went from fear to worry to anxiety. Now he's depressed. A man of God that is working miracles, is now walking in depression. It happens, church. It happens to the best of men. Because what we read about stories like this is we're reminded that the best of men are men at best. They have things in their lives that that they can't move through real easily. He says, and he lay down, and he slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down 
Again, like that was God's original In-N-Out burger right there. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. And check it out when he gets there. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Let me just give you the conditions that put, I believe, Elijah in this funk, in this struggle. And and let's just review them real quickly on that. He was tired. Let me tell you something about your body. When it gets tired, you become a different person. If you're married, just ask your spouse. Sometimes I'll, I'll just be talking to the kids and Tara's like, you need to go to bed right now. You're just like, you're, you are, you know the Snickers commercials, you're not you when you're hungry? It's like, you're not you when you're tired. And there's a reason that God gave us the Sabbath rest. You know, and Jesus did a lot of things on the Sabbath. And then there's these legalistic people, hey, you gotta keep the Sabbath. You've gotta understand something. That man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. And in other words, God wants you to rest. And some of you, you feel like you're a saint because you're never resting. Let me tell you, that's going to catch up to you because your body is physically going to break down and you are just like a a city that has cracks in its walls. You're going to be penetrated. Things are going to get to you that wouldn't get to you if you had rest. So some of you, you came to church today. Your big word for the day is get some rest. Sleep in tomorrow. You don't have to always answer your phone. You could turn it off. It's all right. Leave your phone at home for a day. I mean, these are good things that you could practice. He was alone. He left his buddy and he said, I'm out of here. Okay, let me tell you, you're so vulnerable when you're by yourself. There's a reason the animals in Africa that get by themselves always get eaten by the lions. And I almost saw this. When I was in Africa, I was at a safari in June. These seven female lions were just on direct path to this gazelle. And I looked at the people that were with our church and I go, is it wrong to pray that the lions have breakfast right now in front of us? Because that would be awesome. And they're like, you can't pray that, pastor. But that would be so cool. Because lions need to eat too. But the gazelle was smart enough to get out of there. But I was just thinking of that, that that gazelle was not in a good position being by himself You're not in a good position when you're alone. Matter of fact, check out this verse in Genesis. The very beginning of our Bibles, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good. God looked at his creation and says, "Mm, This isn't good. He needs a companion. You need a battle buddy in your life. Now, I understand some of you that it's, you know, you're you're single and you're like, "I, I don't have that companion. It doesn't have to be a spouse, it can just be a friend. It could be somebody that, you know, if life starts getting tough, you can call them up and you know you're not fighting this by yourself. Uh, I was reading earlier the stats uh, about the, uh, the, the growing rate of single adults in America. It's just, it blew my mind because, you know, I've been a part of the church culture for 30 years and it seems like so much of the church culture is speaking to the marriages, which I think is great. But I'm like, man, if 42% of adults in America are single, why aren't we speaking more to our single adults? Why aren't we speaking more to them 
in some of the struggles that they have going on when they feel by themselves. And even people that have marriages are going in these research projects and saying that they're, they're still feeling lonely. So isn't that weird? Isn't that ironic that we're in a culture that is so like uh, connected socially through social media, but we're so isolated physically and we feel so alone? I think it's interesting. Let's go, let's go to the third one. And he was exaggerating the circumstances. Let, let's be honest. We, we, in, in our head, it's always worse than it really is. We've always built it up to be worse than it is. Elijah's thing, I'm the only spiritual godly guy left, which was not true. But he was like, I'm it. God, I'm it. So, like, we lost. The, I, I thought, you know, this thing was going to happen a certain way, but <laughs> it's over because I'm the only godly guy left. Let me tell you, it's not as bad as you've built it up to be in your head. Let me just be the first one to tell you that. It's always worse inside of your head than it really is in real life. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's good. But I'm saying that in your head, it's a lot worse than in reality. So he, he built it up. And number four is that his expectations didn't happen. Unmet expectations is a leading cause of depression. You think life is supposed to be a certain way, and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen. He believed that once the fire came from heaven, there would be a revival. And that the king and queen would get behind him and they would repent and they say, man, Israel's all about God now. That didn't happen. And now all of a sudden, Elijah's like, whoa, in my mind, like we already had a revival. You know, we were like, you know, God was transforming everybody and now the queen is wanting to kill me. So it didn't work out like I thought it was. And so I'm tired and I'm done. This is, I'm over this. Unmet expectations can be so discouraging, can't they? And we all have them in our lives. And I was reading a book the other day called Generation Me. It was written by a a psychologist down at the San Diego State University. Uh, I believe her name is Jean Twinge. And and she was saying that that people in the the self-esteem era are really struggling on this one. Because in the self-esteem era, we've been taught, like, if you just make people feel good about themselves they'll feel better about themselves internally. But what it it didn't work because we went around and said, okay, so we're going to make everybody feel like a champion. Everybody's going to get trophies. Everybody's going to get ribbons. We're going to tell everyone they're they're special. And they're going to believe they're special, and they're going to go out in the world, and they're going to be special. Guess what? Ah. They went to their bosses, and the boss was the first one in their entire 25, 30 years of their lives to say, you're not that special. Matter of fact, you're kind of a lousy employee. I think I want to fire you. And they're like, whoa, where's my trophy? And it just crushes them, and they don't understand what's going on, and so they move into this depression. There is, there is an interesting stat here that in the last... From 2006 to 2018, depression has risen by 30% than what it used to be before 2006. Now, another thing that's interesting besides unmet expectations is maybe the connection to social media because 2007 is when the iPhone was released and all the apps came out, including Facebook, Instagram, and all those things that we like to enjoy. Is there a connection I think jury's still out on that, but I would say there is. And that if you struggle with depression, one of the things that probably would make you not only be happier, but more rested is to 
call a sabbatical away from social media. Maybe suspend your accounts and say, I, this is a real big struggle in my life and I need to cut it off. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a 40-day fast from all social media. And just evaluate yourself to see how you're doing. And I gotta do this in five minutes, so, so uh, let's, let's, go, let's do that. I knew this would be a long message because I'm tackling so much, but, but let me just go through this list. And this is how God met Elijah in his depression. We just saw the conditions that made it happen, but here's how God dealt with him. He rejuvenated Elijah physically. We already talked about that. One of the best things that you can do to help yourself is get rest, get nourishment. I'm, I'm all about fast food sometimes, but you know, I started drinking green juice every morning, and I'm telling you, it, it has completely helped me in my thoughts, and it helped me in the clarity of my thoughts, and I've just gotta challenge it. Look at your nutrition, and look at your sleep, and just, I'm telling you right now that one of the biggest ways that God's gonna help you through this is by getting you the rest and getting you the nourishment you need. Number two is he had Elijah face his true condition. He says, why are you here? He repeats that in verse 13. Why are you here? God's asking you the same thing. Why are you here? Why are you seeking God? And see, what God wants you to know is that he wants you to be close to him, and he wants you to encounter the peace that only God can give you. Uh, John 14, 27, Jesus said this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. He says, peace I leave with you. God wants you to have peace. That's why you're here, is God wants you to encounter his peace, because his peace transcends the fear. Matter of fact, I'm gonna tell you, you can't be living in fear and living at peace at the same time. One is gonna be dominant over the other. And Jesus said, I came so that I could take the worry off of you and that you can enjoy my peace. And the more peace you're enjoying, the less fear is gonna be ravaging your life. Check out what it says in Colossians. Let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking because you were all called together in one body to have peace, always be thankful. It says, let it control you're thinking, why? Because Paul understands that all of us have stinking thinking. We have stinking thinking going on, and Christ wants to pull that stinking thinking out and put peace in its place. Let's go to the third one, because I'm running out of time here. He spoke to Elijah personally, and this is where God wants to get personal with you. I mean, it's great that you guys are at church, but let me tell you, God wants a personal relationship with you. The way that God may be using me to speak to your soul right now, God wants to speak to your soul when you're alone, when you're in your house, when you're driving in your car. God wants a personal relationship with you. He wants you to know him. And how do you get to know God? You get close to him. That's how you start hearing God. You get close to him. Can I, can I challenge you that have been coming to church for many years of your life? Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt closer to God than you feel right now? And if the answer is yes, then my challenge to you is, is what were you doing before? Go back and, and ask yourself this question. What was I doing before that made me feel closer to God than what I feel right now? And just start doing that again. In the book of Revelation to the church of Ephesus, he says, return to your first love, and all you have to do to do that is go back and do what you were doing before. As you think about this, I know we, we're short on time here because I want to worship. I want to celebrate. I want to see breakthrough this morning. He got Elijah active and involved in ministry again. 
one of the worst things you can do is sit on the sideline and just just let inaction just beat you up and just going, oh, man, I, I see, I, I can't really uh, deal with a lot of this stuff. One of the best things you can do is get back in and start seeing God use you. It's awesome because then when you start seeing God use you, you get to focus on what God's doing in other people and you get less focus on you. Remember last week when your world is big, everything is small. When you make other people a part of your world, you're making your world bigger, which makes your struggle smaller. And number five is God provided Elijah with a companion and you just got to pray them in. Next month we're starting life groups and I want everybody at Atmosphere Church part of a weekly life group where we circle up in somebody's living room and we just we just get to know each other and we get to pray for each other. It's going to be awesome. And, and I'm just going to throw a bonus in and have the band come up. I, I've just got to tell you, if you struggle majorly with, with anxiety, one of the best things you can do is just to give thanks for what is right in your life and what, what you do have. Because one of the things about anxiety is it focuses you on what's wrong in your life and what you don't have. And that's discouraging because all of us have something that's wrong and all of us have something that we don't have. But we need to flip the script and we need to start giving thanks for what we do have and for all the things that are right. Because I guarantee you one thing about your life, there's numerous things that are right for your life. You just, you take it for granted, you don't think about it. And also, there are things that you have that nobody else in this world or, or half the world's population would love to have what you have. When's the last time you jumped in your car and just like, God, I'm so thankful I have a car. Half the world's population would love to have a car. They don't have a car. You have a car, you have a house, you have clean water to drink. There's so much that we can be thankful for. Philippians 4, 6, and I'm gonna give it over to the band. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. I lied to you. One more verse, Colossians 4.2. This is a good one. I feel the Holy Spirit's like, give them this one. Devote yourselves to prayer. Keep alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. An attitude of thanksgiving. Let's just pray right now. Fathers, we just have this moment where we're just gonna respond. God, I'm just... So overwhelmed, God, at your goodness. And right now, as we're thinking about all that's right in our life, all the things that you have done for our life, all the things that, that we have in our life, God, cause us to just to be thankful right now and to push out those things that are stuck inside of us, that fear, that heaviness of worry, that anxious thought, that depression that is just overwhelming us with darkness. God, push it all out, God, as we learn to have an attitude of thanksgiving. Show us, Lord, all that's right. Show us all that we have as we worship you, as we just give you this time in Jesus' name. Let's Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.